The truth is they will cynically use inflation. It's their only way out of the sheer amount they borrowed. So are interest rates going up? Yes. Are they going up hugely? No. Is inflation perhaps the biggest thing investors should think about over the course of the next few years? Without a doubt. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, before we get into the topic that I wanted to dig into a bit, I think I wanted to set some context for why we're going to discuss that issue. And that context is a 35 year downtrend in interest rates. Now, during that time, each time interest rates did rise, it ended in some sort of crisis. There was some sort of crash. So we had the tech bubble in 2000, the Asian financial crisis in the 90s. We had the subprime bubble, the European sovereign debt bubble in 2010, uh, the Turkish crisis in 2018. So there's this repetitious cycle of interest rates going down over the long term, but each time an up cycle begins, somewhere at some point, there is a big crisis. Before we get to how that applies to the next few years, can you give us some sort of, I guess, idea of what it was like to work in commodities and politics during that large down cycle over the last 35 years? Because it played a key role in the particular part of the financial markets that you worked in, and then it played a huge role in politics. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, when interest rates fall, uh, commodities and things become more attractive because money does not, you know, invested money is not bringing a risk-free return. So I think that, you know, some of the commodity spikes that we saw uh, were very much because interest rates were incredibly low. When rates rise, and there was one little disaster you missed out there called the exchange rate mechanism, because we finished up pegged against a basket of European currencies, Interest rates were double what they should be, and it led to, it led to, a year in '92 of record business bankruptcies and record house repossessions. So, every time we go through a period of sustained and prolonged high interest rates, it leads to a problem and quite a big one. Um, the problem this has given, of course, is for traditional savers. That traditional savers liked often to have their money in the bank earning good interest, you know, risk-free. But that, of course, has been just a disaster, uh, certainly for the course of the last decade, and in fact, really, for even much longer than that. So investors need to think far more seriously about these things. Um, the big argument against gold always used to be that when interest rates were high or going up, gold was far less attractive. Um, and that may partly explain, partly explain why gold's had a difficult sort of two weeks had a strange week and a half or two weeks and not just in gold also in bond markets so part of the narrative is that one of these new up cycles in interest rates that i was mentioning may have begun or, or may be about to begin uh, with the u.s federal reserve threatening interest rate increases next year so it was the mere potential mention of possible rate increases that triggered uh, a bit of carnage in financial markets especially in gold but also in, in stocks in the end so do you think we're beginning another one of these up cycles and do you think it will end in tears again as it has so many times in the past? Well, look, I, this is what I really think. I really think that on both sides of the pond, governments have borrowed eye-watering sums of money to get us through this crisis. And it is that massive injection of cash that has kept stock markets high, that have kept uh, unemployment rates relatively low. Uh, but inevitably, 
if there's a massive increase in the supply of money and indeed the speed with which money moves through the economies, that has to lead to a period of inflation. It just has to. And we're seeing it in the States already where the inflation rate is 5% and Britain's is probably about 2.5%. But, but, but we're definitely back into an inflationary period. No one knows quite how long it will last. Um, the Fed and others have indicated that rates will need to rise. Uh, but I suspect, I suspect that rates will not be able to rise too much. Otherwise, the whole thing will just fall to pieces. I, I mean, literally fall to pieces. I think, Nick, what we're going to see uh, cynically is governments actually quite happy to see inflation, even though the central banks at the moment say, no, 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 there's nothing to worry your little heads about. The truth is they will cynically use inflation. It's their only way out of the sheer amount they borrowed. So are interest rates going up? Yes. Are they going up hugely? No. Is inflation perhaps the biggest thing investors should think about over the course of the next few years? Without a doubt. One of the changes in narrative that I've noticed is that we've sort of understood now that central bankers and governments can paper over the pandemic, the lockdowns, the economic consequences to a remarkable extent. I'm quite impressed of what they've you know, managed to achieve in terms of preventing a financial crisis um, that I would have expected as a result of their lockdown policies. But what does that suggest about the recovery, especially politically? Because if they're, if they're managing to avoid a crash, that suggests to me that the shape of the recovery is very much at their discretion and control as well. And that's a strange situation to be in uh, politically, let alone economically. Well, yes and no, I'd say to that. Because what we did learn back in the 80s, particularly, is that just using fiscal policy, monetary policy, just using the tools available to central banks and governments, you don't just overnight snap out inflation. You know, it is a disease of money. And it's often much harder to eradicate than anybody really thinks. So I suspect governments may find managing, managing an economy that is you know, getting off um, sort of you know, drug injections in the arm from government with the real economy growing again and with inflationary pressures, I think they, might fi they may find that very hard to manage. And the reason, Nick, they've been able to handle the downturn so effectively is because government now is more in control of our life and our liberty and our freedom than it's ever been at any point in the Western world. Uh, and I, I really fear, uh, as we go ahead, that those extraordinary powers they've taken, they'll be very reluctant to give back to us. The interesting angle on that is that they will also be blamed if their powers are not used in the way that the voters demand. So the political incentives here are, in my view, quite dangerous because the electorate can demand that the, the politicians use their powers in ways that they probably shouldn't as well. So you're concerned <laughs> no, about... I, it worries me. It worries me. And a sort of a final thought, Nick, you know, we're recording this on the fifth anniversary of the great referendum, June 23rd, in which British voters stood up, ignored the global elites, ignored the CBI, ignored the TUC, ignored President Obama, the BBC and everybody and independently minded said, we don't care what you're telling us about the risks. We want to be free, independent, self-determining. And yet that same electorate, five years on, appear to be happy for Boris Johnson to take away our liberties and virtually tell us that to go and buy a pint of beer 
we're going to need to produce a vaccine passport. I goodness knows what's happened to this country over the course of the last five years. They've clearly been scared witless uh, by the pandemic. Um, and I just hope we shake out of that pretty damn quickly.